Second Sunday in Advent, Advent's a time where the Christian church looks forward to the coming of God to the earth. And what we've been asking is why. Why did God come to the earth? That's a, something very unique about Christianity that we believe and teach, that God actually became a human and walked on the face of the earth. And so the question is, well, why did he do that? Luke 19.10, we said, is our theme for Advent. The Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Luke uh, 15 would be a great chapter for you to go back and read if you want some more background on that idea of seeking and saving what was lost. Last week we looked at Matthew 5.17 where Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. And this morning we're going to look at uh, two other statements Jesus makes about his own ministry. This is John 12.46. This is one of the last public things Jesus says. In the Gospel of John at chapter 13, Jesus goes into a room with his disciples. So this is, this is the last public thing he says. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. In John 8, 12, he says it more explicitly. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus understood his purpose as, come, as bringing people out of darkness. He was the light. And he was calling people out of darkness into that light. What does that look like? John 9 is a great illustration of Jesus as the light of the world. And we're going to go through it. It's a long chapter. We're just going to move through it pretty quickly. Starting in verse 1. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. This is tangent. Last week we talked about Jesus seeking and saving, that God comes after. That's Luke 19.10. He doesn't wait for us to come to him. Here in in John 9, you see Jesus initiating contact with this blind man. There's no indication that this man called out to Jesus or was following after Jesus. He was blind. He had, prob- I mean, he had no idea Jesus was walking by. And you see this, this seeking, this initiative taking on the part of God. So as Jesus uh, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. I'm going to pause here, my last tangent, probably. Um, This idea of who sinned, this man or his parents, and kind of in Jewish thinking at this time, if you had some type of physical illness or handicap, the assumption was God was judging you for something you had done. The rabbis believed that children could even sin in the womb, and so... This guy could have sinned before he was born in his mother's womb, or maybe he was being punished for what his parents have done. And Jesus says, neither of those. This guy is blind, and God is going to bring glory through that. And I just step over here for a second. Some of you are going to spend the rest of the time thinking about those two verses. Let me see if I can help. God, to me, rarely causes pain, but he's always willing to redeem it. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you or someone you know is experiencing pain and suffering, there are multiple reasons why. It could be the devil, the enemy. Jesus says the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. So if you're experiencing pain and suffering, it could be because this guy who's come to steal, kill, and destroy is working on your life. Maybe. It could be um, that we just we live in a fallen world. Our world is not perfect. You know that, and just bad stuff happens. Tornadoes, hurricanes birth effects. It's just, it's part of living in a world that's not perfect. It could be that. It could be other people's choices. You're connected to someone who's made bad choices and you're, it's secondhand smoke. You didn't light up the cigarette, but you've got problems because you live with someone who does. That type of thing. 
It could be the result of your own choices. You reap what you sow. Again, if you get lung cancer when you're 70 and you've smoked for 50 years, don't blame God. You reap what you sow. And it could be there is a case where God does judge, and sometimes he judges immediately. His judgment is always remedial. The, the point is always to bring us to repentance. He's, you take a bite of this now so you don't have to eat the whole thing later. That's kind of the point of God's judgment here on the earth. It's to warn us to get our attention, to draw us back to repentance. So if you're, you, someone you love, is experiencing pain and suffering, just ask the question, am I living in open rebellion to God? You know that right off the bat, yes or no. If the answer is yes, then he might be judging you. So you need to quit what you're doing, because that's the point. Is it because of choices you've made? If you're drowning in debt, the reason could be because you outspend your paycheck every month. So stop. It's not a spiritual issue. Just stop. Cut up the credit cards because you reap what you sow. So ask the question, is this a result of choices I'm making? Is this a result of choices that people around me are making? Am I collateral damage? If the answer is yes, then you either go to them and say, hey, this is the fallout of what you're doing, or you pull back and you create some space where their choices can't impact you as ne so negatively. The stuff about the enemy, the devil, or the fallen world, there's nothing you can do about that. Don't spend a lot of time spinning your wheels because you can't do very much about that. So ask the question and then respond appropriately. And in the midst of all that, you look for redemption. That's what Jesus is saying. It wasn't that God decided, hey, I'm going to make this guy blind. And so when he's 25, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to be able to see and everybody's going to say Jesus is great. What it was was this guy was born blind for whatever reason. And then Jesus comes along and heals him. He redeems this situation that he didn't cause. That to me, that's 90% of the pain and suffering that we see. It's not caused by God, but he's willing to redeem all of it if we'll let him. So if that's you, if you're in the middle of that, if you're this guy, ask the question to see where the source is especially those top three. Is it judgment? You know, you know if you're living in rebellion to God. Don't kill yourself on that. You already know. Is it a bad choice you're making? Again, you know. Or is it the, the result of bad choices people closer, close to you are making? If it's one of those three things, there's something you do. You repent, you quit, or you, you have the conversation with the person or pull back from them. If it's anything else, there's not a lot you can do. You just look for God to redeem the situation. All right, back on course here. As long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming and no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So there you see Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world. And here's a picture of that. Having said this, he spit on the ground, which is gross. He made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes, which is even grosser. Go, he said, wash in the pool of Siloam. The word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So I'm wondering, you know, they say when you lose one sense, your others become more keen. I don't know if the guy heard Jesus hawking stuff up, and he spits on the ground. And old translations, they call that spittle, which is a perfect word for that. So he makes this spittle and wipes it on the guy's eyes. I don't know how you tell a blind man to go find the pool of Siloam, but Jesus tells him to go walking, and he somehow makes it there, and he washes and comes back seeing. So we have a guy who was born blind, never been able to see, who can see now. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? 
Some claimed that he was, others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. So they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been born blind. Now, that, now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? They were divided. When we talked last week, the Pharisees were these guys who were zealous for keeping the law because they knew that was the deal. The, the law defined the relationship between people and God, and they wanted to stay in God's good graces, so they kept the law. In order to do that, they made these rules around the rules. If you don't break these rules on the outside, you'll never break these rules in the middle. And one of the, one of the rules is honor the Sabbath. Keep it holy. And so the Pharisees had 39 things that you couldn't do, one of which was kneading, K-N-E-A-D-I-N-G. You couldn't knead on the Sabbath. And when Jesus spit on the ground and made mud, he kneaded. He made it with his fingers, and so he worked on the Sabbath. That's why they're getting all bent out of shape. Not because he healed the guy, but because he made the mud. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. The Jews, that's the Pharisees still, still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for his parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know, we know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. Way to stand up for your son. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents says, he's of age, ask him. The second time they summoned the man who'd been blind, give glory to God, they said, we know this man's a sinner. The man replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you, why do you, want, to, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you're this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man said, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Real quick, three groups of people come into contact with this man after the, he's healed. First, you see his neighbors. I guess maybe, maybe he's going home. He comes back into his hometown, and people see him. You would, I would think, small town, the reaction would be celebratory. Hey, this, this guy, he was blind and now he can see and there should be a party, you, you know, the banner hung over the town square, something. That's not what you see. They're confused and who is this guy? Is he the guy who was blind? Just because he can see, it doesn't change the way he looks. His eyes are just open now. Uh, apparently, they'd spent their whole life stepping over him, avoiding him. Now that he can see, they're not sure it's him. They ask him some questions. The Bible says they demanded to know things from him. And then their response to the guys, they just basically send him to the principal's office. They send him to the Pharisees. Y'all figure it out. We don't know what to do. 
the neighbors, the people in the town were blinded to the light because they were self-absorbed. They weren't self-centered. They were just self-absorbed. They were so consumed by what they were doing, they didn't even notice this guy for however long he'd been alive. How do you not know if it's the same guy? How many blind guys you have sitting around begging? And again, he doesn't look any different. But they were so consumed with their life, they didn't see him then, and so they missed this light, this miracle that Jesus performed, this sign is what he says in John 12. These were signs that were supposed to point to the light. And sometimes that happens for us. Again, it's not being self-centered and selfish. It's just being consumed by the things that of us. And I think it's the default setting where we live. It's most of you, if I gave you three adjectives to describe your life, busy is one in the top. It's in the top three or some synonym of that. And that leads to self-absorption. It's a, it takes so much energy and so much focus and so much effort for you to just get done what you've got to get done. You don't have time. You, you miss. You step over. You avoid. You walk around. You're blind. You can't see the light because you're consumed with the things that you're, and they're not bad things, it's just your life things. And the only thing I know to do about that is to intentionally choose to focus on something else. And you've got to figure out what works for you. Everybody does it for two weeks during Christmas. But two weeks doesn't balance 50. So you've got to figure out some way in your life to intentionally refocus on something outside of yourself. Some people do it by serving. Some people do it by giving. Some people pray. Some people kind of meditate on the Lord. Some people listen to worship music. Some people read the Bible. Some people fast. Any, any, all, yes. Figure it out. Something that you are doing on a regular basis to cause you to look up. Because this is how most of us spend our life. And that's, again, that's the default setting. It takes so much of our internal resources just to get through the week. We don't have the space to focus on anything else. And we miss the light. We can't see. We're blinded because we're self-absorbed. Second group, the Pharisees. Again, there's no awe in them. You would think as religious leaders, they would be in awe. There are three different places uh, in the Old Testament where explicitly the Bible says the Messiah, the one you're waiting for, this guy who's coming, who God is sending to fix things, he will open the eyes of the blind. Three different times. These guys, they had the whole Old Testament memorized. They knew, they knew that. And they get hung up on the fact that he made mud. They miss the light because of their pride. Because God works in a way that they don't understand, that they think is inappropriate. They completely miss the light. They're blinded by their own pride. Jesus did not break the Old Testament law when he made the mud. And read through the Old Testament. You won't see any place where it says, don't make mud on Saturday. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, don't need. It says, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's what it says. He didn't break the Old Testament law. He broke a rule that some rabbi made at some point. That was it. And they allowed the fact that he broke that rule. They were more willing to say, to dismiss a miracle, a dude who had never been able to see having his eyes open, than they were to, to reconsider their idea about making mud on Saturday. They knew this was true. 
And so they discount the evidence right in front of their face. That's why they keep asking the guy the same questions and why he gets frustrated and sarcastic towards the end. He already told them everything that happened. Why do you want to hear it again? But they can't let go of their understanding and their expectation of how God should work. And the same thing happens to us sometimes. That's what we were talking about right before communion. We want to believe God to work in our life, but sometimes we also want him to work in a particular way. And when he doesn't, we kind of sit in judgment of him. And we miss the light. We're blinded to the light because he doesn't work in a way that we think he should. Um, When I was in, right after college, I got married and we went to graduate school. I went to seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, and it cost a ton of money. And we were committed to just kind of making it happen. And so Misty went to work and she took all kinds of jobs. And I worked in a youth group and um, we we made it through. We, We made it, we graduated with $400, but we made it all the way through. We didn't have to take out loans. We didn't have any debt. And I can remember regularly praying, God, you got to provide for us. We're doing everything we can. We're working. We're, we live in our apartment. is $220 a month. You can't get cheaper than that. We, we're doing everything we can do. For me, we have basic cable. We only get 12 channels. That was my sacrifice. So we did these things. And sometimes I would kind of get this little prick in my mind because I would get frustrated. Well, God, how come there's not money coming under the... How come it's not getting shoved through the door slot here? A lot of the times the way God provided was work more, spend less, don't go out to eat, eat macaroni and cheese on Friday instead of going to a restaurant. It was those type of, but we got all the way through. And I can look back now and say that was God's provision for us. And it wasn't checks in the mail usually. That happened occasionally, but that wasn't the usual way God worked. It was through regular ways of working and saving and not spending and all of those type of taking advantage of things that were offered. That was how the Lord tended to work. I don't say that to say anything about me other than to say for whatever it is that you're believing God for, you've got to give him room to work out the details, when, where, and how. You've got to leave it up to him. Or your pride's going to cause you to be blinded to the way he works. If you're going to ask God to heal your back, you can't say, but I'm never going to a chiropractor. Maybe 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 you'll come up here and someone will pray for you and that'll be awesome and maybe it'll be muscle relaxers and maybe it'll be a chiropractor and maybe it'll be back surgery. I don't know. But you can't hold him hostage to your expectations of how he should work or you'll be blind. So, Pharisees, parents, this one's tough. The parents, you would expect out of everybody other than this man, the parents would be the most excited because their boy can now see, which means he can get a job, which means he can get married, he can get involved in the Senate, he can have a life. They don't have to take care of him, and he doesn't have to beg. But you look, and it seems that they're pretty cold towards him. They're blinded by their fear. They're afraid of the consequences. If we say what, what, we're, what we think happened, we're going to get kicked out of the synagogue, and that's a big deal to get kicked out of the synagogue, and we don't want to get kicked out of the synagogue, so we're going to say, you just ask the boy. He's old enough. They're afraid. They're blinded to the light because they're afraid, and that happens to some of us as well. The thing to remember, following Jesus is an ongoing reality. It's not a one-time decision that you make a mark on the census form, Christian. It's not it. There's a daily 
choice. That's what it means to follow. He's moving. Are you following him or are you not? And the closer you get to the light, the brighter it gets. There's some things that when early on in your following are okay that are not okay the, the closer you get to the light. I'll, you can figure that out. Don't allow your fear of the consequences if you follow to keep you from doing that. The expectation, he is moving and he's looking for people who are walking after him. So don't allow your fear of the consequences to keep you from the light. End of the chapter. Jesus heard they'd thrown this guy out. When he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so I may believe in him. And Jesus says, you've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I've come into the world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and said, what are are we blind to? And Jesus says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. The the only guy through this whole story who can see at the end is the guy who was blind at the beginning. The one who everybody said, he's in the worst shape. He's blind. He's the only one by the end who can see. The neighbors can't see. The Pharisees can't see. His parents can't see. He's the only one who can see. Um, I go to Health Place. I've been going there for four or five years. And there's a locker room culture at Health Place that makes me absolutely uncomfortable. There are folks there who are called, I call them comfortable nudes. And that's what they are. They just, that's who they are. Usually they're... um, mature in age and soft in shape. These are not guys that you would, none of these guys are, been, are Mr. Universe or on the road to being Mr. Universe. And they wander around just stark naked, watching TV, talking to each other, blow drying their hair, drinking coffee, trying to talk to me. And I just keep my head down the whole time. And there's probably a bank. It's probably 20 feet of mirror. And so you get the 360 degree. There's no, it's kind of like a train wreck. You don't want to look, but you can't shut your eyes. And so there's this one guy. I call him the medicine man. He doesn't know I call him the medicine man. I call him the medicine man. He wears this little charm thing around his neck. And he is the most comfortable of all of the comfortable nudes. He doesn't even wear flip-flops. He's just... I've actually never seen him in the gym, just in the locker room. I probably should call security. So anyway, he hangs out in the locker room, and he wanders around dispensing advice. And I heard him the other day. There's a guy who, it was his back, it was a couple of years ago, actually, went another day. it was his back or his knee, I can't remember. And the medicine man, in all of his glory, is giving this guy, it has to be 10 minutes of what he needs to do for his back or his knee. I can't remember. And the guy is, I mean, he's fixated on it. He's just, yes, I need to do this. And what I'm thinking is, when you're hurt, you'll do just about anything to get better. You'll listen to a naked medicine man if you think he's got the key to helping you. And that's for us. We've got to get there at some point. This blind man was willing to have somebody put spittle on his eyes and wander to a pool and a guy who he did not know because he what's he out what's the worst thing that happens he still can't see and he has mud on his eyes but he's he recognizes his condition 
And that's what Jesus is saying. I've come so that those who see will become blind and the blind can see. At some point, we all have to admit, I can't see. I'm blind in some area of my life. I'm living in darkness in some area of my life. And until you're willing to admit that, you're going to stay there. And it could be that it's difficult for you to move, not difficult in terms of hard, more maybe um, difficult, it's a, diff, it's a hard choice. There's maybe some humiliation that's involved, coming clean with some things that you wanted to keep in the dark. Some of that type of stuff, letting go of something that you had held on to, that's what's keeping you in the dark. And there's got to be a willingness to let that go, to move into the light. The thing about this story that makes it, clicked so well as the guy was physically blind and spiritually blind and both the eyes of his heart and the eyes of his head were opened. But that doesn't happen for us. My, I don't get a toothache every time I lie. My back doesn't start hurting when I don't forgive somebody. And sometimes it would be better if our spiritual condition was parallel by our physical condition because then we would know the true state of our heart. But we don't a lot of times. It, just, it doesn't work that way. And so we've all got to be willing to admit, I'm blind. I look great on the outside. Everything seems to be working. But on the inside, I'm blind. And you ask the light to lead you into the light. Jesus leads you into the light, and he is the light. One last thing. There's a progression. Verse 11, this guy calls Jesus the man they call Jesus. Verse 17 He calls him a prophet. Verse 33, he says he's from God. And in verse 38, he worships him. You see this progression from the blind man. You might not feel like you can take the whole step this morning. It's too big a leap. Well, take a baby step. Just move from where you are. Just take one step forward. Admit that you're in darkness in some area of your life. Ask for help in some area of your life. Just There's a progression that's okay. Ultimately, you've got to get to the finish line. But what God is looking for is the direction of your life and the direction of your heart. And if you're walking in the right direction, he's good with that. You're going to get there eventually as long as you're walking in the right direction. And so my encouragement to you this morning is just to take a step. It can be a baby step, but take a step towards the light this morning. Let's pray.